Hello, and welcome to God is a Dad podcast. My name is Justin. Uh, I'll be your host today. I will be joined shortly by my friend Jake, but not Dan. Uh, Dan is actually at Disney World this week with his family. So instead, we're going to have on a special guest. Uh, we're going to have on actually uh, Jake's pastor from the church he goes to. His name's Drew Meyer. Uh, he's a dad of four kids, and he recently wrote a book called Discovering the Power of Prayer, 12 Truths That Can Awaken the Church to Pray. So since Dan is gone, we thought it'd be fun to have somebody else on. Jake and I both know Drew pretty well. I've uh, been friends for a little while, and I think he's a really great guy, a really great pastor, and most of all, a really great dad. So we wanted to have him on to talk about his book for a little bit, but mostly we're just going to talk about prayer, specifically as it relates to parenting and how to pray for your kids, also how to teach your kids to pray, and just any anything and everything that uh, Drew has to say about parenting. So uh, I think it'll be a pretty good conversation. Hope you enjoy it. Let's get to it. Yeah, I guess I wanted to uh, start by having you kind of talk about your book. I saw it on Facebook that you wrote a book, and I thought that was pretty cool. And, you know, prayer is something that applies to, you know, obviously ministry, which you're really involved in, uh, but especially family too. And I was actually reading a little bit of the book earlier, and I, I there's one passage that really caught my attention about family, and I kind of want to talk about that. But, um, yeah, why don't you just, I know you do your writing, so I just kind of want to hear what, what was kind of behind your your heart for this book and kind of give a little mm-hmm. snapshot of what's in it uh, to kind of sure, you know, sure. pique people's interest, that kind of thing. So, yeah, cool. yeah. So the book really came out of, uh, I guess, a few months of uh, God stirring some some things in my heart. Personally, just, I don't know, I had sensed a little bit like I had been growing numb a little bit just to the things of God, to prayer, to maybe a lack of urgency. And um, I find that like in my, I don't know, my leadership, in my home and in the church, like I find a lot of times like the Lord starts speaking to me about things personally. And, and a lot of times those are, that's like a message that's more broadly relevant, more broadly applicable. And so, uh, that, that was kind of early 2018. And, and then I don't know, I'm not a prolific writer by any means, but fall came around and I had this idea of writing this book because one like conflict I've had a little bit as, or I guess tension I've, I've had as a pastor is, is communicating in this age to people that are like saturated with information and saturated with messaging. It's like, how do you, how do you begin to gain traction with, with a message when people are already like oversaturated with, with messages? Like how do you begin to gain any sort of cultural traction and, and books aren't everyone's medium, but, um, but I felt like it was, it would be what worth the effort for me to try to articulate my heart for prayer. And so obviously the, the story in my heart for prayer is, it's a longer one and I'll give a little snapshot of that, but 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 really, yeah, that, that's where it came from. It's just kind of this stirring in my heart. I really have that message of stirring up our church locally and and uh, even beyond that, just stirring up believers to pray in a in a fresh way with fresh urgency to kind of realize that our our uh, our lives are short and prayer is action in the kingdom and prayer is where it happens. It's it's not just about like getting getting things that you ask for, but it's about relating with Creator God and walking with Him and it's just the way of the kingdom and. So that message just started coming together. So the book is is framed as 12 truths that can awaken the church to pray. And it's not meant to be necessarily an exhaustive, perfect list, but um, sure, sure. I could have come up with 25 truths that can awaken the church to pray. But but I pared it down to 12 that I feel like are are pretty like paramount, pretty like foundational and from like personal prayer to corporate prayer, like, which I think is pretty counterculture currently, like the idea of people actually uniting their hearts in prayer 
right now the church big C is really big on emphasizing individual personal prayer, personal relationship with God, I guess more so not even prayer, but personal relationship with God or obviously the, the, the need to make our relationship with God an individual experience, like, which I, I 100% affirm and I'm all about. Um, but almost to the neglect of any sort of then community coming together to also contend for things that are bigger than any one individual. And I guess that's also one of my hearts towards the end of the book is also then highlighting just the yeah. clear pattern in the New Testament for groups of believers uniting around certain causes or big issues that God's calling us to pray and go after. And so, so yeah, that's kind of the, the essence of the book. And I'm excited about it, see, seeing, just seeing how God's going to use it. So, Yeah, that's pretty cool. I'm curious. The thing that caught my attention about what you just said was I think the, the freshness of prayer is a, is a quality that I would really, I would think that would be important for a lot of people to try to, mm-hmm. you know, ref- refresh their prayer, prayer life, I guess. Cause yeah, I think it's, it's a common, I'm sure as the pastor, you, you know, it, that's a common thing you hear a lot. The prayer can get stale or kind of boring or just old. Yep. People don't, don't know where to go, how to push it into further, you know, furthering, going deeper, that kind of stuff. So how are you trying to create freshness? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I honestly, I have a whole chapter dedicated to, to that. I mean, the title of the chapter, chapter 11 is what, what if prayer is boring? And I actually had a conversation right here in my office with my son one time, cause because he yeah. was talking about prayer. I was preparing for a service or something and, and praying and kind of pacing in my office. He's like, Dad, is prayer ever boring for you? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, man, I'm, I'm a real guy just like you. And I actually wrote a whole chapter about that um, because you because that whole interaction that Jesus has with his disciples, when, when they keep falling asleep, they can't pray with him for just for even one hour. And so like that part of our flesh is is real. And I don't feel like it's helpful for us to like uh, over-spiritualize that or like, condemn ourselves into uh just wishing it away but instead like being honest but calling calling a spade a spade and calling it what it is like that's our flesh he says our flesh is weak and our our spirit is willing like there's a part of us that really wants to connect us with father god creator god mm-hmm. you know yeah. but there is like a part of our flesh that honestly doesn't is, is bored with it or, or whatever like doesn't get it like doesn't get the the action and it doesn't get mm-hmm. what's at stake doesn't understand like why does this need to be an urgent thing like why does this matter so so I deal with that and um, I totally feel like it's relevant to my life. I mean, this is stuff that's been like birthed in my own heart and just come out of my own experiences and in time with the Lord, obviously. So, yeah. Yeah. Can you, I'm always just curious because prayer is a, is a word that sort of encapsulates, I think a lot of different things. It's, it's kind of a big word, right? And so I'm just curious always to hear what people, I have a guess that a lot of people pray very differently. Uh, than I than I do or than I'm that I'm familiar with, and I yeah. I feel like there might be a lot of praying going on that I would really <laughs> I don't know like or <laughs> think oh that's a great way to pray, but I've just never thought of it uh, or or whatever. So uh, how would you describe how you pray in, in general? Like if you, if you're going your time with the Lord, like how, what would you how do you approach it? What's what's your what are you expecting from it? What's your methodology? Your yeah. process, that kind of stuff. Just how do you? Yeah, yeah. I'm Some glad you framed it like that. I mean, I made clear at the beginning of the book that. Prayer, like the, the book that I wrote is not a book about methods because I don't I don't really feel like that's always super helpful. Usually, book like method books, methodology books books are more like this is how this one person connects with God, and maybe it'll stick with you, maybe not. But yeah, good point. Um, I feel like more feeding people with truth, like kind of enticing their senses to go after it for themselves and experience it for themselves, is, was kind of more my my philosophy or strategy. It was just trying to like entice people to go after God in a fresh way and stoke a, a relationship with Jesus in a, in a, in a new way, I guess, 
give it a shot again, you know, if they're, if they've grown stagnant. And so, yeah, personally, I share a little bit of that at the very end of the book. I write, I wrote an appendix just for like newer, newer believers, like how do you start personal time with God? And I talk about some practical things I, I do. I do pray out loud a lot of times. I found that like for me to get past my flesh of like my distraction, my just easily distracted mind and, and boredom, I find like honestly using my mouth and, and opening my eyes and talking, um, is, is helpful for me. It sounds silly. Some people may, may think I'm crazy, but a lot of times in my own house or in my office, I pray out loud and, uh, sure, yeah. and people can think what they want. So, um, so yeah, I, I talk a little bit about that and some of the, some of it, I mean, I think journaling can be helpful in different seasons. It's been really helpful for me. Praying scripture is the one, two punch of prayer. I think of aligning sc- scriptural truth with, with prayer and you're really making scripture come alive by, by activating in faith, you know, pairing with faith. So, yeah, man, I think that's that's super relevant. I feel like I don't I don't necessarily talk too much about like the coming and going type prayer, like praying and passing, or just because this book kind of is is meant to push us beyond that. I feel like that's kind of like where obviously we should start praying, like inviting God into all that we all that we do, like He truly is Spirit inside of us and the friend. But this is meant to like stir us to a place of real intentional contending for things that matter things of great importance and great urgency and and to just do that like in passing when, when whenever you kind of have a few spare seconds it doesn't seem to quite align like if there really is a value and if it's really important it's really urgent then i should probably like be thoughtful about it and set us like carve out some time for it and i probably should really yeah go after it so um, yeah, yeah i totally get that so when you're talking about contending prayer <clears throat> yeah yeah, yeah uh, so. are you so you're saying like I would love to get your two cents on this because this is the question. I just, I just, I do not have a good answer for this question. So if you're, so when you're talking about contending prayer, you're talking about like praying for maybe like the city that you're in and praying for yeah. God to move in a big way or whatever through the breakthrough. So can you explain to me what your answer would be for what is actually happening when you are doing that? Because I would probably, you know, I think you'd agree that you're not trying to convince God that it's a good idea to move in people's lives <laughs> in your city, right? You're not trying to be like, hey, God, this, these people are really good people. I mean, you know, you should really like them a little more. They need you. You know, you're not, you're not telling God anything he doesn't know, and you're not changing his heart towards people. So mm-hmm. I'm just curious for you, as you're writing this book, what we know that prayer is important. We know that that, that kind of contention, yeah, wrestling with those things and, and pushing forward God's kingdom through prayer is, is vitally important. But I've always struggled with understanding exactly what the heck is what the heck I'm doing when I'm doing it, because like I can ask for it, and I don't, you know, I, it's so it's like if my kids come to me, and they're like, "Hey, Dad, can we go play outside?" My answer would be yes, probably, right? And if mm-hmm. and if I said no, then my answer would be no, right? And I would have that I would have a good reason, and especially if I was God and if I knew what I was talking about. I don't think my kids could talk me into it because I would I would kind of have the reason for that. So for my kids to just like continually ask me over and over and over again for the same thing, if my answer is yes, then my answer is yes. And I've already said yes, right? And if my answer is no, then my answer is no. And maybe I don't want to change, try, try to get them, I try to have them changing my mind constantly or whatever because I have my reasons for it. So when you're praying for something persistently, what do you think is happening actually between you and God mm-hmm. or between in, in the heavenlies or whatever, whatever's going on. <laughs> oh man, you just, you just opened up like a whole, a whole <laughs> bunch of cans of worms, not just one can of worms, but a bunch, <laughs> bunch of them. So I would say one, one reason I, like, I feel so stirred to 
push specifically like our our little local church here in Ames, Iowa forward like with this culture of prayer is because I see in scripture in the 66 books of the Bible like just chock full of promises that I have yet to see in my day like just promise after promise of either salvation of individuals or or healing or freedom from addictions or whatever it is all these promises that have yet to happen and and I feel like the the disconnect what I see is continually this promise or I guess this the pathway continues to be prayer like God saying sure. if you if you ask for these things in my name you shall you shall receive and um and so I feel like that disconnect pushes me to like okay I sh- this is this is what I should do but I, I understand like the mystery of what's actually happen happening um mm-hmm. I, I addressed that a little bit in one of one of the chapters of the book about how oftentimes like we allow the mystery of prayer to like keep us from the the power of prayer. And so oh, interesting. there's this That's a cool point. There's this sense that since we don't know those answers, well, we're, we're like, what's the point? Like, I'm not even gonna, I'm not, not even gonna give my time to it. Like, I'm not even gonna submit myself to like the humble act of mm-hmm. praying and interceding and standing in the gap as as we see like depicted through the life of Abraham all the way through then the book of Revelation is this beautiful picture of people standing in the gap and praying and interceding. Yep. Uh, like we just avoid it. We just say, well, I don't want to be disappointed or I don't want to, I don't, I don't know what's going on. Therefore I'm going to remove myself from that frustration maybe, or mm-hmm. um, just the unknown. And, um, and right, I just right. don't want that to be the case for myself. I just have found, I've obviously seen many times God has come through and has brought me to places that I never thought were possible through prayer and um, lots of biblical examples of of God changing his mind as well, you know, and and I and I, I don't want to like get into theology necessarily, like sure. but I feel like the heart of it, man, is God actually wanting relationship with us. And I yeah. feel like there are some theological frameworks that actually leave no room for genuine relationship because mm-hmm. God has essentially just pre-programmed us like robots and therefore i mean everything's already predestined and, and it's a done deal like so it almost seems that any call to prayer is completely disingenuous i mean there's no there's no point to it at that point and that's just a hard hard way for me to read scripture like i just i feel like it's a genuine call to relationship yep so yeah but that's a whole mystery as well so yeah no, i know <laughs> i'm aware that's a can of worms and i don't know i feel like it's important what open so but yeah i appreciate I it i love it no i yeah, love uh, it so yeah, so so you're you're saying that your advice to me would be trust in the example after example after example of people praying, contending for things, and then seeing God break through. And maybe the people who understand it the best are the people who who persist the most and kind of fight through the un. I think sort of the, so. The mystery. I really do think so. I mean, I just feel like failure is not not like sitting like playing it safe. It's like idly just sitting by rather than attempting in faith like like i would rather in the eyes were in the eyes of the world fail but have attempted in faith to be obedient to what i what i feel like god's calling me to rather than like play it safe i'd rather that example for my kids and and just even my own like just conscience like i would want to give it give it my all in, in faith and and be obedient to what i feel like god's calling me to and and you know, let, let the less let the rest just like rest with god and i don't know man yeah, I like I love it. That's cool. That doesn't surprise me that that's your attitude. Uh, just because, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're, you're a guy that just, I think, trusts and soldiers on kind of through that kind of stuff really faithfully. So that's cool. Uh, no, Jake, do you have any questions about his book? What uh, have, have you have you looked at it or seen it at all? And 
Has he has he has he been promoting it from the pulpit constantly? Just you know, go buy my I'm book. Just my bombarding. Book. <laughs> me, yeah. We're uh, I think we're on the short list to uh, receive the book here in a little while. So yeah. oh, we've goodness. been uh, eagerly anticipating it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I I think Justin uh, raised a pretty interesting question. Like, how does your relationship with God through prayer? How does that relate to how you view God as a father? Hmm. That sort of father-son relationship that you have with him. Yeah, I mean, I, I would see it as one of the primary like frameworks that I that I view my relationship with with God, like in, in the context of prayer, is I mean, it's one of the primary examples we we see through the life of Jesus is is him crying out to the Father. And I I think I I oftentimes view it in that in that light. Obviously then like the whole New Testament picture of um, the new new covenant being of adoption, you know, I mean, that whole picture, I think, brings me towards that, too. So, yeah, it's helped me father my own kids and desiring to actually have a relationship with them and hear their hearts and not just not get, just give them pet answers or not just mm. do everything they want all the time, but honestly desiring to love them and love them through experiences and um yeah i don't know yeah the, the section that that stuck out to me with the parenting that you said in your book was you're talking about how elijah uh was praying for rain and then god showed him like a little cloud the size of a hand or something like that right yep yeah yeah and, yeah. and then you were saying that that kind of applies to how you parent your kids because your you know the biggest prayer for your kids is that they would love jesus as more yeah. than i think you said more than you do right or, and your, their yeah. passion would would exceed yours even and and so you were saying this thing about how, yeah, j- just your your point, I thought it was really cool. Your point was that we sometimes pray the big things like that, like my kids would grow up and become, you know, world changers for God and, and love him mm-hmm. with all they, all they are or whatever. But sometimes it's really important to recognize the little clouds that come before the rain sort of as the signs. And then you yeah. kind of talk about yeah, yeah. You know, when, when my kid does, you know, it's just kind of their sibling or, or shares the gospel with their classmate or, you know, enjoys church yeah. or something that those are kind of like little clouds that God's answering your prayer along the way. And I thought that was a really cool point just because it can be really tempting to get discouraged if you write like, you know, the big, big prayer and you're like, this is my prayer for 2019 or whatever. And then throughout the year, perhaps you haven't seen it yet because it's a big prayer and it's going to take time. But looking for those clouds, I thought, especially in parenting, is a really cool, a really cool reminder as a parent, because that's something Nicole and I have talked about a lot. She's a really high achiever. And so she always wants to see, she likes finishing projects. You know, she likes putting the, the stamp finished and then submitting them. And with, with kids, that's really tough, right? Uh, because it's a lifelong journey and, and that kind of thing is even after they perhaps, you know, accept, accept Jesus and get baptized or whatever, like obviously the journey is not over. And yeah, so it's kind of hard to go through parenting without that, that submission kind of like, okay, here's my job. I've done it. I finished, you know, move on to the <laughs> next one or whatever. So, so I thought that that was really helpful for me in just like looking for those clouds as kind of sort of just encouraging, encouraging reminders that like your prayer is effective. Your parenting is effective. God's working through your kids. Yeah, uh, that was man. really cool. That was a really cool thing. Uh, I I really like yeah, that. Yeah, and it, to me, it's not just like a positivity trick or a mind over matter thing. I think it truly is like a perspective of faith or a perspective of, of doubt. You know, and Elijah mm-hmm. when he saw yeah. the the cloud the si- size of a hand of a man's hand, which is like there's nothing to get excited about. That's not rain. You know, that's still the drought's not over yet. It's it's just a tiny tiny cloud. Like he saw that after persistent prayer, he sent his servant seven times after, after seven times of that, like he, he saw it as faith. Cause he knew who God was. He knew God gave him that promise that rain was going to come when he said, 
it, there was still that tension of like waiting and persistence and pushing through, but he knew that he knew it was common. Like he had this confidence in, in God. And I don't know. I feel like a lot of times as parents, man, we're in the trenches of like, mm-hmm. our kids are faced with all sorts of stuff. They come home from school and they, the stuff they're exposed to. And like, you can, you can have this perspective of fear and freaking out and anxiety and like doom and gloom, or you can have this perspective of like, also celebrating the things that God is doing and the conversations you are having and the things they are, mm. the ways they are influencing their, I mean, they're, yeah, they may be exposed to some darkness, but they're also light in a dark place, you know, and they, they get to be the the leader and influencer for their teacher and then the culture <laughs> and all those things, you know, and the times they speak with respect towards their siblings. I mean, all those things are, mm. those are answers to prayer, you know, and those are the little breakthroughs. And I don't know, me and my wife, we're, we're just choosing to, to see it differently and see it through that lens of, of the kingdom. And, and we don't always nail it, you know, we're not perfect in that by any means, but it's, it's been a healthy perspective for us for sure. Yeah. Uh, we send our kids to public schools and <laughs> yep. I mean, it was actually uh kindergarten. We sent our kid on the bus and it was there that he was, he was exposed to his first like nude photograph of, of a woman in kindergarten, you know, it's like, <laughs> wow. Like, oh my God. And uh, I don't know. It's like, that's okay, nuts. we freak out. We can just like buy an acreage out in the country and do homeschool <laughs> by ourselves, or you know, we can choose to continue to persist and and have those great conversations with with our kids. And I don't know. Wow, what what, what was that conversation like? So so was it Bryce? Bryce came home, and what what yeah. did he say? What what was that? That's that's <laughs> wow. I, really, I really want to hear how there you. There was how one you kid that. that showed him that was he he was already like a. A household name for us because he would come home with stories on the bus of this kid and sure, yeah. and he got in trouble and so they sent him up with the kindergartners this troublemaker and <laughs> and so we had decided me and my wife had had a conversation similar to like when this type of stuff happens just because we know it's going to happen like you can't be naive to the reality that our kids will be exposed to things that we aren't going to freak out and like we're not going to shame them but instead we're going to like we're going to allow our house to be a place where like our kids want to talk about that, that stuff, like the stuff they're they're seeing or struggling with or exposed to. And so I was proud of my wife, proud of my wife because yeah, she was yeah. the one who heard about it. She didn't freak out. <laughs> and she was definitely not exposed to that type of stuff in school when she was a kid. So yeah, sure. But I was really proud of her. She didn't freak, freak out. She just really sought to listen. She asked great questions. And then I followed up with it that night. And, uh-huh. and we've had great conversations since too. But yeah, definitely, definitely learning, man. And and that was a couple of years ago. Now, you know, we we continue to have conversations about about sex and and uh, all those things that he's just going to continue to be exposed to. And obviously, we have a desire to protect them too, and uh, not like just needlessly expose them either. But uh, right, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep, right. No, yeah. I mean, you wanna you wanna teach your kid to swim. As he's, yeah. you know, as he's learning in the pool and that, you know, um, yeah, yeah, that's good. Not just throw him in without, you know, yeah, guiding yeah. Him. so that's good. Yeah. It makes sense. Cool. What, um, I think there's a lot of value in hearing from lots of different, uh, experiences people have as parents, just cause I don't know, we can kind of, we tend to get around parents that are really like us that are really similar. Uh, and I, oh, so okay. I'm just, I'm just really curious how, just kind of how you be parenting in some, in some really general questions. So, I mean, what would you say is the thing right now that you are struggling with the most as a parent? Yeah, I think one big thing. And it even even it even implies to the whole like concept of prayer, but like when our kids are raised in the things of God, like how do we, how do we help them come to the answer to the why questions? Like why, why pray? Like why? It's hard for so my son's eight years old. Like 
he has yet to like experience the the goodness of God and like the realities of this world to a level that have like pushed him to experience the greatness of prayer and relationship with God, you know? So like, I find like, how do you begin to uh, create an atmosphere or a, um, an environment for your kids to like learn the why behind what we believe, you know? And, and me and my wife, we come from like pretty different experiences in that. Like I grew up in a pretty broken home and I share, I share a little bit about this in my, my book, but like, uh, one reason, like I was like at an early age impacted by the testimony of prayer and, and obviously when I'm talking about prayer, I'm not just talking about like petition, like lists of things that we're throwing up to God. I'm talking about like relationship with God, like a conversation, relationship with Jesus. Um, and I saw that model in my dad. So my, um, like that was really started at a young age. My mom, uh, even though she was the one who led my dad to Jesus, uh, she fell into prescription drug abuse and, and alcoholism and she ended up taking her own life. And so like before my eyes as a, as a young boy, like I saw my dad's response to that and his response was he's going to continue to seek the Lord. And that wasn't just something that came out of his mouth, but like on a continual basis, like I have memory after memory after memory of me coming, coming to my dad's bedroom and he'd be on his bedside uh, crying out to God, you know, with tears in his eyes and, and he'd be bringing us to prayer meetings as a kid. And you're asking that question, like, why? Like, why, why is my dad praying? Like, what is the point? And over time, like that testimony started to do something to me. My older siblings, I didn't necessarily catch it, but me and my younger brother, we, um, and obviously we all process loss and grief differently. And they got super angry at God. They went off into drugs and all that. But, um, but me and my younger brother, we, we really saw the testimony, testimony of my dad. And, and so like at a young age, like that began to draw me towards really experiencing something more than just what comes at me in this world, but instead of engaging God through real relationship in Jesus. And, um, and so I don't know, those, those are the things we're, we're wrestling with as, as, a, as parents now, like we don't want to create crises or tragedy to stoke our kids flame for prayer <laughs> and reality. Like that's, that would be weird, you know, that'd be, sure. but at the same time, sure. you don't want them to be apathetic and, I don't know. So I, I, I can't answer that because I came from a more like broken background. My, my wife then like she compliments that really well because she came from a really amazing family, you know, and so she can she can speak into a little bit more like how she came to the like the personal encounter herself of the person of Jesus Christ. And so I don't know. I don't know if you guys have insight on that. I mean, that would that'd be super helpful for me just as a as a young dad. If you guys have any thoughts on how you uh, create an environment for your kids that without obviously manufacturing crises or tragedy. That is pretty uh, fascinating. I, I was trying to think about my own life and uh, how my parents modeled their relationship with God like, to me and my siblings. And we, we like prayer, for example, we prayed almost every day, but okay. it, was, it was praying before meals, and then we would always pray before bedtime. And so... It took me until like college to actually yeah. realize what prayer was. That oh yeah. man, I'm actually like engaging in conversation in a more meaningful with, way, sure, right, wow. with God. And it's not it, it what my my prayer life from when I was five years old until literally high school uh, was all requests, just a list. Mm -hmm. Thank you, yeah. God, for my mom, my dad, help yeah, me with that new skateboard. Yeah, right. Yep. yep. And so, yeah, it's fascinating. 
even though my parents modeled prayer in that way, uh, I, I feel like being able to model a genuine relationship with God uh, really helps helps give them something tangible that they can. That grasp. probably is fifty percent of it. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, just that authentic modeling of right. that there's something tangible there. It's not just religious motions. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I agree. That's good. Yeah, I think what you said too, Drew, at the beginning when you you were talking about in a church context about trying to get your church to contend for things together. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. that that obviously translates really well to your family too. I'm sure. I'm sure Jake's parents were contending for their kids and for lots of things, maybe in their bedroom at night together or whatever. But if you don't invite your kids into that, they don't know that's going on. Right. You know. Yeah. yeah true. And so Absolutely. That, yeah. So I mean, you you know wh- whatever your kids are passionate about, you can you can bring them into contending for that thing with you. You know, whether True, it's yeah. people in their class or just something they care about in the world. I mean, there's, you know, eight's pretty young, but I bet there's things that Bryce cares about. That yeah, that's true. He would, I that, think I, I get locked in on like crises and tragedy and I personalize, but I bet like a powerful way for like kids to experience the power of just what's at stake is, is just being like uh, sparking that, that part of all of us that's compelled, by, like compelled with compassion, compassion and, and stirred up for like injustices and things, you know, the things that are really really important you know and and that prayer does impact so uh, that is probably part of it exposing him to that stuff and and then that doesn't take uh, tragedy and crisis so that's good <laughs> yeah i mean i yeah that's one of my huge passions in life is to try as much as i can to grow as much in blessing as i do in, in trial because i mean yeah, a lot of reasons because you just want to grow but also i think if you grow in blessing then you can avoid a lot of the trials because in my <laughs> in my experience <laughs> so many of my trials are caused because i I'm making bad choices and I'm making bad yep. choices because I didn't grow before those bad choices came. And then, you know, everybody, everybody has that experience, right? Bad things happen. And then that's when you really grow because you know, you're f- sort of forced to God, God puts you in the situation where it's like, yeah, now I need to grow. Now I need to learn because things aren't going the way I want them. So if I can learn and my kids can learn to grow when things are going well, then that really is a big one. So I think the big thing for me with my kids is tapping into motivation because the reason we grow so well in trial is because we're really motivated because of some yeah, external exactly. things that are pressing us, you know, yeah. to, to need to. And so that's why I say, like, find what you're I, – I hope to find what my kids are passionate about and then use that to kind of essentially teach them that prayer is, is sort of a fuel or sort of a propulsion towards what you want, uh, even yeah. if it's something not, not super spiritual. Uh, or people wouldn't think so, you know, uh, even, even if it's, I mean, obviously grades are a big one in school, but if they're passionate about some sport or some art or drama activity or whatever, and just teaching them that, Hey, you know, if you really want to get the lead role in some production that you're in, like pray about that, you know, yeah. ask God to give it to you. Uh, but also, you know, ask God for the right perspective. Like, like, why do you want the lead role? Is it cause you want affirmation from your peers? And if that's the case, well, how do you think God feels about that? Pray into that, you know, and just yeah, that's so good. that, but, but linking the prayer to something that they care, they already care about. In, yeah, that's really in, their, good. in their natural heart is, mm. I think, a great way to stoke prayer because that's what I do as a, <laughs> as a, as yeah. a person. Th- those are the things I pray about the most. And I think yeah, that's going to have to muster up that interest. You're already interested. In, I love exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. And, that's you know, I, insightful. yeah, I, well, I just, I think that that's, it's so hard as a parent, especially of young kids to try to get, to try to get them to meet you where you are at, right? And your passions and your, your, the way you think it's so much easier to meet them where they're at, you know? And I think God does that so many times, even, even though we might be really passionate, might really care about things that he says are like, that are not that important or like how you care about that thing, but it's, it's not that big of a deal in the grand scheme of my kingdom. 
he yeah. meets us there and he, he will disciple us through that small thing and help us with it because he knows that ultimately the context doesn't really matter. What matters is that you're interacting with him and you're engaged. Yeah, it's the relationship. It really is. Right. Which I, I think is a huge, yeah, it just, I, I'd say it's 90% of prayer and it's, it's um, 90% of like that whole mystery of like why like we don't know what's going on. It's just because like we, ne- we never can, never will. He's sovereign creator, God of the universe. He speaks it. I mean, speaks it into being in a single, single word. I mean, mm-hmm. we'll never understand. He, he just really wants relationship with us. Like that's what he created us for his relationship with him. And yeah, that's so good. Yeah. And, and that totally makes sense. Right. I mean, as a parent, that's what you want for your kids too. You know, like they want to, I don't know, my kids love video games right now and they, they want video games. Right. And, and if I can leverage their love of video games into love of me and like relationship <laughs> with me, then I'll do that every time. And so I, so I don't need to like try to get them to, to leave video games behind kind of, uh, that's not my goal is to like, no, look at me, no, come like hug me or whatever. Like I try to meet them in the thing that they love and the thing they're passionate about, because ultimately as a parent, that's what I care about. I don't care about if they play video games or not nearly as much as I care about if I'm connecting with my children yeah, or not. Good. And so, yeah, I think you're totally right. That's what God's all about. So you'll never, you'll never go, you'll never go wrong prioritizing that with God or with your kids for sure. So that's something you're struggling with, but I want to hear too. Uh, and you know, all the disclaimers that are necessary, you know, you're not a, you're not a proud, arrogant guy. So when, you know, it's all by God's grace and all by his work in your life, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Uh, but what, what's something that you feel like <laughs> that you feel you're pretty good at as a parent that you've kind of experienced some breakthrough in that you have grown a lot in or whatever. What, what's something that you and you and Tanya both oh, probably man. feel like you guys are. I've, I've kind of have locked down. Yeah. Um, I would say, oh man, I don't know. It's so um, much harder for Christians to talk about things they're good at and things they're bad at. Right. <laughs> yeah. I would say, I mean, yeah, it's not that we're afraid of like saying like, we feel, feel like our family has some traction on some t- stuff. And mm-hmm. I feel like we know how to have fun together. Honestly, we, I can genuinely say that our, our kids love being in our home and they love having their friends to our house. And that's been one of our hearts has been even parenting philosophy philosophies has been like, we want our, our house to be a place where our kids want to be and where our kids want their friends to be. Like we want our, our house to be a place of ministry. And I feel like it is like, I just, I don't feel like we're, my wife oftentimes gets complimented about how laid back she is. She's just, yeah, she, she is just really has, laid back. She just has an ability <laughs> to go with the flow and be okay with, little messes and just going with it, you know, kids having, having some fun and while still providing instruction and safety, but like, she's, she's just really good at that. So, I mean, I think we, we know how to use our imagination to have fun and be creative every day. And what what do you guys do to have fun together? I mean, so you have four kids. I think before I left for here, we were playing spike ball in the living room, me and my son, you know, we're playing spike ball or, I mean, we love playing sports. We love, using our imagination we love wrestling in the living room floor all five me and my four kids like we just go for it you know and um <laughs> we got a dog recently so we love all you know i'll take all four kids with the dog and we'll we'll go out at night and look at constellations and, and take the dog for a walk i mean we just love doing anything and everything and, and making the most of it you know and it's really cool yeah me and my son we love to fish together so we we have a blast with that we live really close to lake and so um so we, we do that. And I would say another thing we're pretty good at is, I mean, I think we're pretty good at encouraging each other. Like me and my wife are pretty, like pretty cautious about the words that come out of our mouth. Like we're not tearing each other apart or mm-hmm. yep. pretty c- cautious about the words that we speak over our kids. And so I would, I would think that we're 
we were making some traction in in our the culture of our home and just our kids are learning how to speak encouraging words over one another and build each other up and be like that not being a thing where you, your face gets beat red when you're saying something kind about your sister but that becomes a normal thing you know and mm, um, yeah sure you know that cultivates like friendships between them it's so we have one boy and then three girls you know I, I genuinely think that my my son sees his sisters as friends you know and i think that comes out of just a, an encouraging atmosphere where they they see the best in them you know and not that they don't have their own little uh they yeah. get after each other sometimes and they fight and all that but um but overall like there's there's a culture in our home of of encouraging and edifying one another and how, how do you do that because i would say my <laughs> yeah i would say i mean my two oldest sons are really good friends but my oldest one especially does not he just he just has a habit of ignoring my his younger brother, uh, in a, in a sense of like my younger brother does something that he thinks is really cool, and then he's like James James, I just did this, and then he just like will look at him or doesn't really respond or whatever. So how do you facilitate wow. that? Uh, yeah, he just yeah. doesn't really I don't know he doesn't think it's important to to speak <laughs> kindly to to Cameron, you know. And we'll, we'll sit down and we'll, and we'll talk to him. We'll say like like how do you feel when Cameron says cool James or when when he you know says sure. great job or whatever, and he's like oh it makes me feel good. And like, so how do you think Cameron feels? And he's like, oh, I, I bet he would feel good. But how, 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 what's your strategy if, if you feel like you've succeeded in that? Because uh, yeah, I do not yeah, feel yeah, like yeah, I've I, I don't feel like we, we have arrived by any means. Sure. I mean, you have experience. They'll, they'll still cut each other down sometimes. Yeah, they, it's not like they take every opportunity to, to encourage each other either. But we've noticed like when we say, hey, let's all, let's all share tonight over Addison, our, our third born. Let's all mm -hmm. share something to appreciate about her. It, it's gotten less and less like, crickets and silence it's been more like <laughs> they want to say things that are encouraging them so i wouldn't say that they're at, i mean our kids are three five seven and eight they're, they're not like offering it freely all the time that encouragement sure, sure. but they're more learning to like recognize it and when there are like invitations to speak it out they speak it out pretty readily so oh, i wouldn't nice. <laughs> i wouldn't uh, read read too far into yeah. to my wins but uh to what i'm celebrating but uh there is something though to like I think the pendulum has to like in our natural like flesh it has to first swing from just like cutting each other down yep. uh, tearing each other to shreds yeah. criticizing each other just like neutral which is just like hold, holding your tongue then the next step is like okay let's now move towards <laughs> looking for what's like edifying and encouraging and how we build that person up how we like leave uh, they leave our presence like more built up and encouraged uh, I yeah. mean that's the next step and and I, I feel like more and more our family is like moving to neutral ground where they're at least holding their tongue and they're yeah. uh, learning that we're not, this is not going to be a place where we disrespect each other. Like, honestly, there are serious discipline happens in our home if kids like disrespect my wife. And so that's mm, uh, sure for us, that's like a, a pretty serious offense. And so, I mean, I think things like that, like when you kind of draw the line over certain things that those values speak something into the culture of your home and. Get, at least maybe gets you to neutral and then then you can work on building up <laughs> mm -hmm. no i mean that sounds like a good a good dinner time activity though just something you can yeah you can do that it doesn't take that long especially yeah with young kids but just yeah, yeah, yeah. breeding a culture of it's a it's something we take the time to do is just to speak positively about one another That's yeah a, i like that, I, that I'll, I'll probably implement that this week That's cool. <laughs> wait does cameron talk pretty positively about james uh yeah i mean when jane 
it's mostly when they they want to show each other things, right? They want to show each other things that they made with Legos or that they did, or like I you know, I made that basketball shot, or look, I be, you know did the, I don't know whatever. They're just kind of showing off, and they're looking for affirmation that what they did was good. Cameron will be like, oh, cool, James. You know, he'll just say, oh yeah, whatever. But James is it's a lot easier for him to ignore, just ignore Cameron or not feel like he needs to say anything. Sure. Like just today before we got on, we were we were sword fighting. And Cameron was laying on the ground, and so I was like swinging down to hit him, and he he just held the sword up and blocked it. And for some reason, he thought that was like super cool. He like stood up and he's like, "Dad, did you see me? Did you see me? I just blocked I blocked it like this." And he kind of held his hand up like he was doing it. And I was like, "Yeah, Cameron, I just hit you. That was really cool. You know, I obviously saw it." And then he turned to James and he was like, "James, James, I just I just held my sword up like this and blocked Dad's blocked Dad's sword." And James just looked at him. And then looked back at me and then just kept fighting. He just like didn't say anything. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't know what he's, I don't know what his deal is, but I would love for him to, to recognize that when my brother is looking for affirmation, my response needs to be cool, Cameron. That was great. That's awesome. Yeah. Or something. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what his deal is, but he's, he does that all the time. That's funny, care. man. So the, yeah, the, so the theme of our podcast is this idea that God's a dad. And if we just look to our relationship with him as a dad, then that can inform a lot of our parenting decisions, right? And I kind of think fundamentally that's how people parent anyway, whether they re- consciously realize it or not, is just however they think God is, that's kind of what they think the best way to behave is and treat their kids sure. is. So I'm just curious, what what is a way that God has parented you that sort of taught you how to parent your kids? Or what, what's an experience you had with him that has sort of informed informed you about how God, or about how to treat your kids? Or if, you, if you'd rather answer it the other way, was something that you like an experience you've had parenting your kids that has sort of taught you about what God is like? No, what God is like. Hmm. I love the concept of the podcast. I really do. I think it's it's really profound and uh, super helpful way to think about parenting. Um, and I would totally agree. I mean, I feel like for me, the gospel, like one of my favorite passages, John chapter seventeen, verse three. And this is eternal life that they might know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. So, like, I see, I see Jesus defining eternal life with him with the father as as knowing him as a relationship and so like, i feel like that's what jesus gave his life for is his relationship so as i like think about my own parenting then that is to me the highest bar that i'm i'm constantly shooting for is mm. is maintaining relationship so you know when it comes to correcting and disciplining or encouraging or quality time like the heart behind all of it is is relationship not necessarily them always thinking I'm the coolest or liking me all the time, but like, <laughs> sure. but maintaining that relationship of trust and that I got their back and a, mm. a confidence in my character and in my integrity, those things of God's consistency and um, His character in my life. So, in terms of specific instances, man, uh, man, I don't know. It's a, yeah, it's alright if there's anything. I I just really like. I treat my kids the way I think God is, but I think my, obviously my perspective on God or my understanding of him is extremely limited. Uh, and I think that there's lots of people yeah. out there and, and dads and moms out there that have had different experiences and different uh, perspectives that I just always kind of want that, that, that to be a question I ask because mm-hmm. there's a lot that I can learn from that. And you know, the way God interacts with me and treats me is different. I think than probably he interacts and treats a lot of other people. And so just like how, I mean, I, I don't treat my kids totally extremely different, but I treat them different to a certain degree and, uh, they each, you know, get a different piece of it. So, um, mm. some, something you just said caught my attention. Uh, I never, I haven't quite thought about it this way, but that verse you said, you know, and obviously we're all pretty keen on 
one goal that we have is to know God better. And that's what God wants for us to, to do is to know him mm-hmm. because when we know him, our lives are better and we're close to him and everything's, everything's great. And we get to go to heaven. So I'm curious that that phrasing though, like the, the thought about knowing him, obviously, you know, connecting with him is important. And that's a lot of times how I think about it, relationship with him. But like this idea of just knowing him and knowing what he's like and knowing who he is specifically related to, to parenting. Mm-hmm. I haven't thought about that before as being vitally important that my kids would like really know me. Mm. You know, um, like know who I am, know what I'm like, know, know me really deeply as a person. Sure. I think a lot of times kids don't know their parents super yeah, well when they're kids, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, you kind of come out, you get to be 18 and then you kind of realize, oh, or, you know, you go to college maybe and that, that's when it happens. I don't know when it happens for everybody. But you at some point realize, oh, my dad's a person. My mom's a person. Yeah. And they actually have passions and things they care about. And I don't know about any of it. <laughs> you yeah. know, I think that's sort of common, and especially maybe for dads too, because dads can be a little, a little more distant. stereotypically right so is there anything that you do to help your kids know you in that way that you think like like how well do you think they know drew myers as a person and not just dad as the guy who whatever sure i mean i i don't want to think that my kids are all that different than any other kids in that sense because i do feel like there's like a a matter of perspective over time where you grow an appreciation for where you came from and and who makes you who you are so like I think it's probably similar for both of you guys. Like as you get older, you start to get more curious about, oh man, I wonder, wonder what my dad's experiences were like with this or like more of your family history and all that stuff. Like I wouldn't say that my kids necessarily want to know those things at, at this moment and in relationship with my, with, with God, with, with Jesus. I mean, at first it really is like a matter of saving me from hell and like from my sin. And it's like a matter of, of life and death, like salvation, you know, but, Right, right. As you come into know into actual intimate relationship with who he is, you, like you realize there's so much more to it than just a ticket to heaven. There's 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 an actual relational God there that wants to reveal himself to you and his vastness is inexhaustible and all that. So then it's it's an it's a whole eternal thing, you know. So I don't I think I think part of it is fostering an environment with my kids where they want to spend time with me, where there is like a genuine like curiosity of in their souls for, for story and for, cause I don't, I don't want to be that dad that just like is always telling stories and no one's asking for him. You know, like there has to be a, <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to be that guy. Isn't, isn't that the definition of being a dad? Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. <laughs> but I remember, I remember hanging out with my dad. Not I, my dad's one of my heroes. Like I think the world of him, but I remember long drives with my dad and maybe a part of it's like how we're wired, like our love languages and whatnot. But, I remember taking long drives with my dad and, and asking him all sorts of questions. Like my stepmom would oh, often yeah. tell, tell me to stop asking questions, but I just, <laughs> I just enjoyed asking him things specifically like things from his, his story and his history and questions about what he thinks about God. And this is when I was, I mean, teenage years, I mean, or younger. And I don't know how, how to stoke that with my kids and specifically like my son, but, but I desire that I, I want to like be a, a place where questions are uh, received and and I see it as an opportunity for conversation and like not just trying to give them a quick answer and not just trying to give them prove a point or something, but but genuinely trying to satisfy a curiosity in his in his heart, you know. And yeah, totally. uh, when he asks a question, it's seeing it as a genuine question that's the start mm-hmm. of a conversation, you know. And I don't know. I think that's the beginnings of it. And I think for my, for my relationship with my own father, that's grown over the years. And I was actually just today thinking about, I, I need to 
call my dad up and ask him because there was a moment in his life in his 20s where he he started these a couple businesses he's not a businessman he's he's a fireman uh-huh. he's done great as an officer uh now and as a chief and whatnot but he's uh he's never really told me about his business adventures his, these yeah, business sure. adventures and so i now at this age when i'm in my early 30s like i just had this curiosity about my dad and his business about like what he learned and and whatnot and uh so I think that's still there, you know, and, and I, I hope I can see that happen in my own kids' lives where they, they know they can come to me and ask me anything and and I don't have to, like, use it as a, an opportunity to preach at them or get them to buy my, buy my thing or, you know, <laughs> my theology or philosophy, but it's genuinely, like, my story, you know. And, yeah, that's a really cool distinction. That, that's a really cool way to think about it. I like that. Jake, do you have any last thoughts or questions? Oh, I, I was going to ask him if, uh, if his kids have uh, read the book yet. <laughs> uh, Bryce and Lucy, my two oldest, they both have personal copies in there. Nice. They're excited to read them. Uh, Bryce keeps asking me if, if he thinks, if I, if I think he can, he can read it. And I'm like, oh, I'll go for it, man. I, I honestly, <laughs> it's awesome. not like I use, use big words. He's a second grader. He can go for it. But no, they, they haven't really read much of it. So. Yeah. <laughs> that's something i'm sure they'll they'll grow in their desire to do as they get older just like you said right yeah yeah Yeah. cool all right so uh the book is called discovering Discovering the power of prayer Prayer. yep 12 truths that can awaken the church to pray and i know we can get on amazon but is there any other place people can buy it or is that just kind of the that's kind of what you need right the one the one-stop shop you're not supposed to say that if you sell on amazon but yeah it is the one-stop shop so why are you not supposed to say say that that. i mean it's it's in the book it has to say amazon and and there's other like little disclaimers that you're supposed to include in oh. it but, but yeah it's available on amazon kindle and paperback and then the audio version on audible should be out very very soon i thought it'd be out already but it's uh-huh. it's not available. Read, read in your voice I'm yeah assuming. oh man yeah. so if you like drew's voice go for the audible version <laughs> got kind of a smoky smoky soothing voice so that's not that's a good one <laughs> all right man cool oh i'm just curious how how uh how long did it take to sorry to write like what was uh, the what was the workload like that for that i'm just i don't know man several people, <laughs> have, asked me, uh, several people have asked me but i mean I, I started in early october and i finished in like three weeks and then it was from there on out it was all editing so we mm-hmm. did 11 drafts and, and back and forth and i mean the okay. really the intent if you read the book i am hoping my pastor's heart comes out it because the audience like i was pretty adamant about keeping the audience our local church so, like it was are the faces of the people in our church that were in my in my mind like yeah well, yeah i think that definitely comes across it definitely feels yeah it feels kind of i don't know almost personal or local and it's in the way it's written sort of which is that's kind of, really the intent kind of I mean, i'm not i'm not really trying to get famous or something or i mean all the sure. proceeds go to the church i'm not trying to like make a quick buck on it i mean it's it's truly it was how can i get this message how can i spark that message of the power of prayer in people's hearts and I felt like if I gave them a book that it's impacted me, maybe a dozen people would read it, you know, but mm-hmm. if I actually went to the effort of writing a book, I'm thinking a few more would read it, you know? So, uh, <laughs> so that's why we're, that's why we're handing them out at church and we're forming our small groups around them for a number of weeks, which isn't normally the way it is. So yeah, oh, be cool. Cool. I, I pray God uses it. So I'm sure he will probably already has. <laughs> All right, man. Cool. Uh, this has been fun. This so is you- such a cool concept you guys came up with. Oh, thanks, so, man. Wait, wait, this is Justin's uh brainchild or yeah, that's awesome. I love it. Yeah, I mean, essentially, I don't I've have fallen along with a lot of the episodes. I really love I, it, man. Nice, man. I we mostly I mostly wanted to start it because I was like, I you know, I don't have a lot of people over here that I that are in my peer group that you know kind of view yeah. the world the same way I do. And so for me, mostly, it was about 
just me getting to have have these types of conversations uh just amazing, intentional parenting it. conversations you know I, I don't have a small group on wednesday or thursday night or yeah. whatever so this yeah. is kind of like my small group you said you had a mic for podcasts do you, do you have one? Oh, our uh our sermon podcast for our intros oh. and outros yeah oh, we don't yeah. we don't re-preach them or anything but yeah for the intros and oh, outros, okay. video announcements and stuff so oh, okay that makes sense gotcha yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, well, I, when you said ser- sermons, I was like, oh, yeah, you, you just sit in your room and it's in a good room and re- reread them or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that would be for awesome. Some, for some reason, I don't really think that would, I don't really think that would quite. I, Cute, I like the, the crowd cheering. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> get, the, get the laugh track going on. Laugh track. Yeah, that's a good way to make sure your jokes always land too, right? Right, yeah, every time. <laughs> so where's Dan? Where's Dan tonight? <laughs> Disney World. No way. Yeah. <laughs> really? That's awesome. That's a good yeah, his, uh, right, right, yeah. His, yeah, his parents took their whole family down there, and they've been there, I don't know, a week or, or several days, I don't know. So, yeah, I'm excited to hear about it. He was not looking forward lifetime. to it. What? Was not, why, why was he not looking forward to it? I don't know. Dan, I don't know. What, Jake, why, would you, why do you think Dan was not looking forward to it? I mean, it's like crowds. It's every day. With extended I, family or all the crowds? Oh, okay. I, I would say, like, I mean, what – What's he doing? You know, you're gonna. I, I mean, going into it, you're probably thinking, man, I'm gonna have to manage my five year old kids twenty four seven. So that that sounds pretty exhausting. <laughs> so me and Bryce, I, I took Don't Bryce to Disney World when he was five. Man, we conquered that park. We went with oh. no stroller. We were there for we were there from when it opened at eight a.m. We left at one a.m. You know, wow. all day long. No way. Awesome. He was a beast, but he. Uh, <laughs> He gets leg cramps when he like overexerts himself. So he literally could not walk for a week after that. Like he just, cause he walked and he walked and he walked. And I asked him if it was supposed to close at midnight. And uh, then they went over the loudspeaker and said they were going to stay open until 1 a.m. And I was like, do you want to go? And he's like, no, let's keep going. And, and he kept going. <laughs> he finally oh fell asleep in the last ride, uh, the Snow White, or the, yeah, the Snow White roller coaster. But That's uh, he couldn't walk for a week. We, we took him to the, the clinic later that week because like we thought maybe he, truly injured himself or something. <laughs> it was just really bad. The magic of Disney, huh? Exactly, yeah. I don't wow. think I could walk for a week after that. <laughs> exactly, I know. Oh, gosh. They say it's the size of Manhattan, so. Mm. Yeah, and he's taking twice as many steps as an adult, right? Yeah, we're planning our, our trip wow. to Disney World this summer, so we got our uh, our minister's conferences down in Orlando for the Assemblies of God, so. Beautiful. So we're going to piggyback it. We're going to try to do it with the four kids now, so. Oh, man, yeah. Wow. Wow, that's that's cool. I'm, I want yeah. I'm curious to hear his experience. I think that's that's probably like the perfect age, the the four, five, six, kind of that yeah. range, just because they're yeah. The magic is real, man. It's a real, yeah, <laughs> it's real. So cool. That's All right, man. Fun. Good luck with your book. I hope uh, yeah. Hey, thanks, man. Uh, yeah, the, the little bit that I read is it's pretty good. I I like it. So I hope uh thanks, hope you listen to it or read it. I mean yeah, it's cool. Uh, this has been fun. Uh, I yeah, I've enjoyed it. I've always, yeah, I've always appreciated your heart uh as a as a pastor mm-hmm. and dad. I think you, you guys are doing a great job, obviously and keep it up we, i'm sure we'd have you on again uh because i don't know we just like talking with people that are fun to talk to so cool thanks cool. justin thanks Probably. jake nice all right i gotta i gotta like i asked nicole to take the kids outside for the hour over here because otherwise oh, nice. oh, way too loud. Wow. So I, gotta, I gotta relieve her love, love uh, guys. <laughs> yeah awesome right, see ya see you guys thanks jake all right thanks so much for listening i hope you enjoyed that hope you check out drew's book uh like you said it's on amazon go check it out paperbacks only 8.99 so pretty affordable read uh, also though if you'd like a chance to win a free copy uh if you follow us on facebook or instagram or both uh, we're going to be running a little giveaway we're going to be giving a couple couple free copies of his book all you have to do is 
follow us on Instagram or Facebook, and then share the post that is related to the giveaway. If you do that, you'll be kind of entered into a random draw for free copies of the book. So if that's interests you, please go ahead and do that. That'd be awesome. Otherwise, hope you enjoy your week. We'll see you again soon. Oh man, you just you just opened up like a whole a whole <laughs> bunch of cans of worms. Not just one can of worms, but a bunch, a bunch of them. So, so the crowd cheering. Yeah, <laughs> get the get the laugh track going on. Laugh track.